Carlson, now Smith, he scores! Carlson between his own legs to Riley Smith. The Knights take a 4-1 lead. Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Now at the other end, a drop pass to Claire. Oh my goodness! A glove saved by Hill! No way! No way! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Hour number two, VGK Insider Show rolling along here on a Monday. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman, hanging out with you for the next hour. NHL awards currently underway. So as the winners are trickling through, we will bring that information to you as best we can over the course of the next hour or so. We'll get to one-timers, news and notes from around the NHL. Trades, trades, and more trades, even trades that can't be completed for, you know, reasons. We'll get to all of that in one-timers. Boy, oh boy. Um, it was a wild weekend in the National Hockey League from that perspective. Usually it doesn't happen that uh, that quickly, but hey, that's what happens when you play well into June. All of a sudden, everything gets condensed upon you. Now, we did find out in the break, and this is one of those behind-the-scenes things you don't necessarily get to hear or listen to, uh, but we found out that Chris Chapman is a Jelly Roll fan. Chris, would you like to speak to that? Well, I listened to one song, and it, it was not the worst thing I've ever heard. I wouldn't say oh, okay. I wouldn't say I'm a fan, but I would say the one particular song I listened to, I I could get on board with. I I was like, okay, it, it, this is a this is a cool. It's called Need a Favor. Now, I I I I took a look at the guy, and he looks like a cross between Danny McBride and Chris Angel, but. <laughs> That's actually really accurate. You know, I mean, I, I, I can get on board with that Need a Favor song. I'm like, yeah, it's not too bad. Now, the other two songs I listened to, Hard Pass. Mm-hmm. Now, So so you're like you're like in on Jelly Roll a little bit. I could do the one song. I'll have to, I'll okay. have to explore, go down the rabbit hole and, and see um, if, if, if there's anything else that, that catches my, my attention. And I'm like, yeah, it's a good song. But yeah, Need a Favor, I'm on board. Good song. Okay, so a little bit on Dirk Bentley, not so much on Darius Rucker as a country music artist, uh, but uh, Jelly Roll, that's that's kind of a point of entry for you. Well, and, and listen, to be fair, he had me at Jelly Roll. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, so like, I don't disagree. That, that is, that, it's, it's like subliminal messaging. By the way, I think this is Trisha Yearwood who's giving out an award. I, I, hmm. I, I, I think I know what she looks like, and I, I don't have closed captioning on. But um, Connor McDavid does win the Ted Lindsay Award, and he still does not look happy. Well, so. come on, Chapman. Why would Connor McDavid be happy? Like, like that's a legitimate question. Like, like let's just, let's just dive into it because you just mentioned it, and this is as we just started the NHL awards. Connor McDavid wins the Ted Lindsay Award. The Ted Lindsay Award is the most outstanding player in the National Hockey League, as voted by. The NHLPA, so the players, right? Like the players recognize Connor McDavid is the greatest player in the game right now, most outstanding player. There was going to be no chance, no chance for the runners up and when in Eric Carlson and David Pasternak. It was very, very clearly Connor McDavid. It's going to be the same way for the heart. I'm, I'm not spoiling anything for you. I'm just telling you what it is. But why? Would Connor McDavid be happy right now? Like, it's another individual award. It's another award that he's already won before, but he doesn't care 
about Ted Lindsay's. He doesn't care about Art Ross's. He doesn't care about Hart Trophies. He cares about one thing. It's the Stanley Cup, and he's no closer to winning it than he was when he went to the conference finals two years ago. I, I understand that, and I can appreciate that, but the reality is you're, you're at an award show. It's on national television. It's on cable, mm. cable TV. You're representing the Edmonton Oilers and the NHL. Even if you have to fake a smile. Now, I'm, I'm digging the shirt like kind of, he, I mean, he's got no tie on, which I like. And his his shirt is, well, very, uh, he, he looks a little unsavory, I guess is maybe mm-hmm. a, a, a good way to describe it. I'm on board mm-hmm. with that look. Like he like he's I had mean, a few drinks. He's in Nashville, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Enjoy it. Win in Rome. Do what you're gonna do. But I, I I don't I I don't I don't buy that. I don't buy the individual success anymore for a player like McDavid. I, I think he's fueled by one thing and one thing only, and that's just to win championships. Well, and well, then don't as, go. As much don't as, go. As much as he's do well, as much as he's doing his part. You can only work within the framework of the team that you're on. Well, then don't go to the award show. Don't accept the oh, award. Come on, you can, you have to go. You're going to win. Well, you don't have to go. You could make an I excuse. Think, I, I think there's going to be a major issue if Connor McDavid doesn't show up to win the most prestigious individual award that you can win in hockey. Like I think, like nah, I'm like, good. I, I don't want to show up to collect my third or fourth Hart Trophy. Like I'm fine there. Well, well, here's the thing, Ryan. Like, like. I've I've been fortunate enough to be in a couple of press conferences with him and Drysaitel, mm-hmm. and yeah, you know I talked to them both at the All Star game a couple of years ago, and neither one of them ever smile. Like they're showing guys, people in the crowd, they're happy to be there. They're smiling. Yeah. They're enjoying the sure. moment. Those two guys, he the, the the reporter could have asked both of them why they're so pissy, and I understand right. why, but. Just put the facade on. You're representing the team. Your family's there. Your 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 girlfriend, I, I or his wife. I don't know who it is. She they looks, just got engaged. Actually, she looks amazing. You know, your mom and dad are there. Mm-hmm. At least pretend. So you want them to be fake for for an award show? That's that's that you're representing the league. Look, you could be you could be pouty and and upset and disappointed all you want behind the scenes. You could you can mm-hmm. do it. In practices, you can do it in the locker room. But when you're at an award show and you're representing the league, a league which, by the way, needs all the help and exposure that it can get and needs more help marketing its biggest superstars, Mm -hmm. you're not helping yourself when your biggest star is at the award show with a pissy face on looking like... I disagree. I disagree vehemently. Connor McDavid, full heel turn, pissy, angry man is awesome for the league. Yeah, but see, the, it's re- awesome the, for the, league. the no, no, reason it the, works for the Golden Knights, the re- though, is the Golden Knights are fun. They're entertaining. Mm, William Carlson has hold a on. personality. Mark Stone, expressive Mark Stone. Marsha so the guy, I, the guy's I'm as going... tall as me, and I'm a, and I'm no, a no, no, shrimp. No, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. William Carlson has a personality, 100%. And it was it was one of those moments where that speech exists in the ether and it's beautiful. But that is not typically William Carlson when the cameras are rolling or when he's on a microphone. No. You and I, we, we, we are around him. We know that. That was a special moment in a special period of time that's going to exist forever. But here's the thing. 
for me. Connor McDavid angry is better for the National Hockey League than Connor McDavid content and happy. Like once McDavid wins a championship, and it will happen, I, I and clip this when it doesn't, but it will happen. And and at that point, then you don't have any other avenue for Connor to fuel himself to be better. The 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 more McDavid suffers the more chance we have as consumers to see a 165-point season, a 175-point season, a 180 points. Like, is that outside the realm of possibility? No. With that if guy, no. David continues to lose, because then he's going to have to do literally all of it. All of it, and that to me is where you want McDavid to get angry. You want him to be pissy. You want him to show up to NHL awards and lean into the villain role and be the guy that doesn't ever smile and isn't ever happy because he's only content with one thing. It's a championship. It's eluding him right now, and the more often he loses that chance, the more we have the ability to potentially see some history happen. I'm rooting for that all the way. And I also think it's funny when you can look at Connor McDavid going into next year, when you can see this this idea play out that Jack Eichel's won a Stanley Cup, that the Golden Knights have been able to do in six years what the Edmonton Oilers haven't been able to figure out how to do in the entirety of Connor McDavid's career, the entirety of Leon Dreisaitl's career, and he's got a stew and and sit in that resentment, I love it. I love it because it's going to provide better products on the ice, and that's all I care about. You want to grow the game, it's not going to be Connor McDavid with a fake smile getting excited about winning another individual award that he's already won. It's Connor McDavid being angry and upset and playing not to lose in very important games. To me, that's what I I, I love about this. McDavid pissy. Lean into it. Really lean into it. Be that guy. Be the guy that everybody wants to see lose, but everyone's tuning in to see what he's going to do in a game. No, I, and, and and I think that that's that's a fair point. I don't I don't agree with it, but I I, I do I do think the more anger he is, the 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 or angry he is, the the more exceptional play we're going to see out of him. But I think that would be the case regardless, because I feel like he's driven enough as as a player. To where even if he wins, it's not going to be enough. Like I don't think it's ever going to be enough for for a guy like that. Like I think he's a guy who, once he wins one, he wants three. Like I don't think he's just content with with the hundred and fifty point season or he's content with one Stanley Cup. I just don't picture that from him. I think he's more of a. I need to win three or four of these things. I need to win many many Stanley Cups. Do you think that that's possible for Edmonton next year? For them to win the Stanley Cup? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I do. I think they have to work a a few things out. But I I am a big believer in had they beaten the Golden Knights, they would have won the Stanley Cup this year. We'll never know. But but But, I I think they once Boston was eliminated, it it was always going to be either Vegas or Edmonton winning the Stanley Cup. So the reason that I ask you that is simply the Golden Knights exist, right? And and this is a good segue into the offseason for Vegas because to to be completely honest with you, 
the Golden Knights are going to be able to return a big, big chunk of the team that just won the Stanley Cup. We'll see what happens with Aiden Hill. There's some reports out there right now that the Golden Knights, Aiden Hill, are working on a two-year deal somewhere in the ballpark of $4.8, $4.9 million AAV. We'll see if that comes to fruition. Elliot Friedman was the first to report that over the weekend. Um, but, you know, you, you've got decisions on on Hill. You've got decisions to be made on Ivan Barbashev. I would imagine with as big of an impact as Brett Howden made over the course of the playoffs as a restricted free agent, you're going to get Brett Howden back into the fold. Then you've got opportunities, right, for Paul Cotter to take on a larger role with the Golden Knights coming next year. Pavel Dorofiev, how much does he continue to kind of improve and carve out a name for himself on the big roster? What do you do with Phil Kessel? Like all those things are are important questions to be asked, but more or less, right? When you look at how things are shaking up right now, you've got a top line of Jack Eichel and Jonathan Marsh, so that's your pair, right? That's not going anywhere. Your second line pair is William Carlson and Riley Smith. That's not going anywhere. Third line, second line, whatever you want to call it, you got Mark Stone and Chandler Stevenson. That pairing, not going anywhere. Your your fourth line, you've got uh, really a trio that, that you're not going to break up in in, in Will Carrier, Keegan Colasar, and Nick Waugh. All of those players are a year better. All of those players have won a Stanley Cup now. The Golden Knights aren't going to fall off. In in my estimation, if you can infuse some younger talent, if you can infuse players from within the organization, this is going to be a team that might even be better next year than they were this year, especially if you get a full year of health out of Mark Stone. If the Edmonton Oilers don't make a big splash... How are they going to beat the Golden Knights? Because it wasn't the fact that they couldn't that they couldn't score. They could score. They they could they could beat on, beat you on the power play. They just simply couldn't defend. And I don't know that there's any solution out there to turn them into a better defending team. Well, nothing short of completely changing who you have on your blue line, which obviously is not something you could do in one off season. Um, look, I I, I think. They're they're the Golden Knights, as you mentioned. I, I don't foresee them falling off. Like I, I I I mean, you've got you've got your your key components under contract for at least next season, and then you know who who cares about two years from now? Right now, I look at the team and I'm like, you know what? They if if some of these younger guys are able to step in, like I thought when Paul Cotter was in there, he did a good job. Now, there, there's obviously some aspects of, of his game that Paul needs to improve on. I thought what we saw from Dorfeyev um, in limited action was really positive. But the, the the question lingers. You you have Phil Kessel. What do you do there? I think Teddy Bluger, I think it, it, it he becomes a cap casualty because I just don't see any way you're going to be able to bring everybody back. Um, Brett Howden is is restricted, so I think he'll be back. But the key for me, as you mentioned earlier, is is the Aiden Hill thing because what? By the way, Kopitar wins the uh, Lady Bing Award. Um, oh, that bothers me. I got that one right. <laughs> anyway, um, that bothers me. That makes me so mad. Yeah, yeah. And, and like I'm a big Andre Kopitar guy. He's but not he there either. He's not there. He's not in attendance. Oh, well. It, He's wearing well, a white Bing's T-shirt. A little bit different than the Ted Lindsay <laughs> yeah. and the Hart Trophy. That's all I'm saying. But but getting back to the to the hill the hill thing, if you resign Aiden Hill two years four point nine is mm-hmm. being floated around, that tells me two things. 
You have faith in Aiden Hill to be your number one goalie, but it also tells me that maybe the situation with Robin Leonard is not as clear as we were hoping it would be at this point of the year because you also have Logan Thompson in the mix, and I know he's got a two-way deal, but I, I don't foresee Logan Thompson being the goalie of the Henderson Silver Knights next year. So here's my read on it. Logan Thompson is going to be in the NHL next year for the Vegas Golden Knights. He was an all-star this year. I, I think that you still believe that in in the in the future, and, and I'm not necessarily talking about next year as the future, but like we're talking a year to two, two to three years from now, I think the expectation is that Logan Thompson is going to be your starting goaltender, that he's going to be the number one guy. He's going to be getting that split. And to be fair, he was that guy this year until he wasn't, and the only reason he wasn't is because he had injury issues. So assuming that all gets sorted out over the course of the offseason and he's ready to go come training camp, I think Logan Thompson's absolutely on the roster. You bring up the question of of you know, Robin Leonard. I I'm, I don't want to speculate into that at, at all, to be honest with you. Like the, the, the reports, the updates, all of that stuff on Robin Leonard is, is unclear at the moment. So I feel like for the Golden Knights, you have a combination that you know can win for you, right? You've got Aiden Hill and you've got Logan Thompson. They won for you all year in the regular season to the tune of first place in the division, first place in the conference. And then they won for you in the postseason, Aiden Hill specifically in the Stanley Cup championship run. So if you're you know, if you're the Golden Knights and you're trying to lock up a piece from that championship winning team, I guess the question becomes, is it goaltending that you covet more, or is it what Ivan brought Barbashev brought to the table? Because I just don't believe, and this is just me looking at it because of how well Barbashev played alongside Eichel and Marcia, so I just don't see a scenario where you're able to keep both Aiden Hill and Ivan Barbashev. And it sounds more like the Golden Knights are leaning toward goaltender than they are Barbashev. But all that to say, is that the, like if you were going to do it, Chapman, like were you, would you have gone a little bit harder at Barbashev? Or would you kind of go in the direction that it seems the Golden Knights are going and try to lock up Aiden Hill? Well, I've been on record saying that I felt like this team could have won, and, and it's not a knock on any of the goalies, but I feel like they, they could have won the Stanley Cup with any of the four guys in that. I don't mean that as, as, a, as a knock on any of them because they all bring different things, but this team was so good in front of the goalie, especially on the blue line, but... There was never a game this entire season where I said, you know what, the goalie played terrible. They lost this game because the goalie yeah. was terrible. We had a couple of those a couple of years ago. But to answer your mm-hmm. question, and this is why I'm not the general manager, obviously. Sure. I, I would have I would have placed more importance on Barbashev. Now I say that with the caveat of not knowing A, what Barbashev is asking for. Is it a realistic? Mm-hmm. Was it realistic for this team, assuming that that the hill hill is resigned? What do you, what do you when when Ivan Barbashev signs his next contract? What's that number start with? What do you think? Uh let me see how old he is, because I I don't know off the top of my head, but uh he is oh he's only twenty seven. I think it starts with a six. I do too. And I think that prices him out of the market. I think it does. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like and again, the question becomes 
do you have players in your system that you believe can fill that role? I I, I don't know that Paul Cotter can't do it. Well, Paul Cotter right? like plays a, a physical season. game. You know, like like there, I there, is is Paul is Paul Cotter not a proxy for what Ivan Barbashev brings to the table? I think they're very similar players. I just feel that one is a lot right. further along in his game than the other guy. And I, well, and I, that I, might be true. However, I would always make the argument that you want to trust and embolden young players to take the next step. Paul Cotter got his first year in the National Hockey League under his belt. He was around every single day for a Stanley Cup championship run. I think that you learn by osmosis in those certain in those situations. You become better in those situations. And I think if you can provide a similar type of game and continue to grow and get more consistent then you can be a guy that explodes. I, I think that if, if, if Barbashev's not re-signed, I'm expecting a bigger, impactful role for Paul Cotter next year. Well, you got 13, and then it's on him to seize that. Well, that's it, right? He, he's still a really young guy. He's only 23 years old. Uh, he'll be 24 in November of next year. But he gave you 13 goals in, in 55 games. Right. So you got pretty good production out of him a guy who was up and down the lineup you really didn't know what his role was going to be but he he took advantage of the opportunity coming out of training camp he made the opening night roster he scored some really big goals for this team and like I said I, I feel like there's some some little things in his game that he obviously one of the things I think he needs to improve on is is, is not keeping his head down and and you know learning a I don't know if there's a, a way to learn to absorb hits differently He's on the wrong. He, he's on yeah. the wrong end of of some big hits, and it's something that I think he needs to learn to avoid. But I think there's a lot of upside in his game, and if if the front office feels that he can step in and provide similar production from what they got from Ivan Barbashev, I mean it's a big ask. It's a really big it ask is. because Barbashev is now a two time Stanley Cup champion. Well, you're not asking him to be Ivan Barbashev. No, you're asking him to provide that, a similar type of game to Ivan Barbashev. What I liked about I think he can do it. What I liked about Barbashev's game was that he he brought a little bit of of gnarl, snarl into his game, right? Like he he had that snarl, like that that I'm gonna hit you and I'm gonna make you remember me hitting you. Like the heat he had on Radko Gudis in, in game one, like I don't want to say that it's a it's a series defining play, but it was a it was a big hit. It was a big hit. And it set the tone, I think, for the for the rest of the series, letting Florida know, hey, you know what? You guys got Kachuk and you've got Bennett, but we've got a guy here and we've got some other guys who are willing to dish it out just as much. And we're gonna make you think about it every time you're coming across the middle of the ice, every time you're up against the boards. We're going to let you know that we're here. I don't know if you get that from Paul Cotter. I thought the Barbashev move, like when, when we had media day with Kelly McCrimmon. I, it was big. It wasn't Patrick Kane. It wasn't, it wasn't any of the other big names that went. It was the best move of the trade deadline, and there's zero debate about that from my end. I agree with you there. But I guess the question becomes, do you believe you've got in-house the ability to replicate what that player can do for the line that he's on? Do you think that you can open up space for Jack Eichel and Jonathan Marchessault to cook? I think Paul Cotter can do that and not be expected to be the guy that has to score a bunch, but just get in on the forecheck. He did that well this year. Another year 
we'll see how it goes. But again, this is premature because we don't know yet what the Golden Knights are actually going to do in terms of their UFAs, their RFAs. Nothing has been officially put to uh, to paper yet. So it's all speculation at this point. But I do think that Paul Cotter can do the job close enough to get you through an 82-game season. Then the question becomes, okay, do you need something else? You can sort that out over the course of the year at the trade deadline, all of that, just like the Golden Knights did. Did they have a, enough of an interior presence? Going into the trade deadline, no, they didn't. What did they do? They acquired Ivan Barbashev, addressed the need in the moment, and I think that that's kind of the approach you have to have going into next season. This is a good enough team to pace themselves over 82 games and understand that they can beat you in any way, they can win in any situation, any circumstance, and they don't have to outright win the division in order to go deep, deep in the playoffs or eventually win a Stanley Cup championship. Now, just one thing because I think it's pretty funny. Um, the official voting, like all the breakdown for the Lady Bing just came out. Um, Chapman, Jack Eichel finished 13th in Lady Bing voting with 47 points. He didn't receive any first place votes. A couple of second place votes. Um, but here's one that I think is really funny, and it's certainly going to piss off a lot of Edmonton Oilers fans. Alex Petrangelo finished 15th in the Lady Bing voting. <laughs> the most gentlemanly player. Uh, Alex Petrangelo. Let them cry. Let them cry. Oh, use boy. use their salt to I line think, our margaritas. I <laughs> Thanks, think the Stephanie. Entire, um, Who called, by the way? She, the, she 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 called earlier that that particular oh, Stephanie because yeah? she thought we were going to take calls today. But uh, yeah, yeah. Still, definitely. Every time now I have a margarita, I have to have mm-hmm. salt on the rim, and I'm going to think of her. All I can say is uh, Alex Petrangelo. From my vantage point, is just a very classy, classy player. One-timers are next on the VGK Insider Show. Carlson left corner, centered, one-timer, score! It's time for One-timers. One-timers. A quick look at news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. One-timers, news and notes from around the NHL. This time of year is always fun because things generally tend to happen surrounding the draft, and we've gotten things kicked off here over the weekend. Um, So first and foremost, we're going to talk about Taylor Hall. And, like, you're not necessarily doing it correctly if you are the Chicago Blackhawks and trying to use the powers that Taylor Hall has in acquiring the first overall pick and winning the draft lottery. But all the same, a team that Taylor Hall is now a member of will have the first overall pick in the draft by way of winning a lottery. And that is because Taylor Hall has been traded to the Chicago Blackhawks. Hall and Nick Foligno to Chicago for Ian Mitchell and Alec. Um, The name is not there for me. Anyway, the point is that you have a pure salary dump for the Boston Bruins. They free up $6 million this year and next year. That's what was remaining on on, on Taylor Hall's four-year deal. What the Bruins are going to do, I don't know. I don't have inside information. I just simply don't know what that's going to look like for Boston. But it feels like more is coming from the Bruins' perspective. Yeah. Now you look at it from Taylor Hall's perspective... And I don't know that I'd be happy leaving a team that just won 65 games, but then you start to think about the carrot that is in front of you if you're Taylor Hall, and that is the potential to play with 
mentor Connor Bedard. Where are you at on this one, Chapman? Like, how do you feel about this if you're Taylor Hall? I'd be pissed. Um, but <laughs> look, the, the, the reality is Taylor Hall is, is a guy who basically <sighs> he has to keep his suitcase packed at all the, all times because it seems like he's constantly on the move. Uh, remember that the brief time he was with the Coyotes, we all we all kind of forget that. But um, he's a guy who's always on the move. It seems like, and it seems like for him, for his perspective, he's he's still a really good player. Like I think a lot of teams would like to have him. I know Chicago was not on his no trade list, but if I'm him, I'm like, oh man, really go from Boston to Chicago? Like I know the idea of playing with with Bedard is 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 cool mm-hmm. but I think Taylor Hall's at the stage of his career where he wants to win and I know Taylor or, or, or Bedard could change the franchise really quick I don't know how quick he's going to turn the Blackhawks into a Stanley Cup contender Yeah, I don't know if it's it's at the point where Taylor Hall's contract has already expired if he's done I want to okay. win if I'm Taylor Hall and I don't feel like I have a chance to win right now with the Chicago Blackhawks so, so here's my question to you Who, not knowing what is in store for the Bruins over the next couple of days who right now is closer to winning a Stanley Cup Chicago or Boston Boston really yes what if Patrice Bergeron doesn't come back well he's what as if a, David Krejci doesn't come back as of right now you, you asked me as of right now neither one of them are under contract well but they haven't given any indication that they're done. Now, maybe Krejci's done. I, I disagree. I disagree but like, with that. I, now, in two weeks, if both of them say that, that they're done, maybe we, we can revisit the conversation. I mean, <laughs> unfortunately, we won't have a show in two weeks, but you know what well, I'm sure. saying. I, yeah. I, I, I feel like when that becomes official, maybe it changes things. But Don Sweeney's a really good general manager, as evidenced by the fact that it seems like he's constantly up for the Jim mm. Gregory Award. But the, they are a franchise that, that tries to win. They're always trying to get better. They're willing to make bold moves. I would still think I'd rather be with Boston than Chicago. But, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously some things could change, right? Like if, if, if Bergeron says, I'm done, obviously so, that changes the fortunes of the Bruins. So here's the thing. Like Taylor Hall never got to cash in on that big contract, right? Like he's on a he's on a four year deal, six million dollars AAV. Like that was a situation where, you know, he goes to Buffalo for a year. You think that he's going to have a massive year. It doesn't work out that way, and he just can't find that big money contract. Now he's got two years left. He's thirty one years old, and I expect that he's going to play alongside Connor Bedard. And if Bedard is what we expect him to be, and if Taylor Hall is able to cash in to to the tune of. 30 goals, 40 goals, something like that, which is not outside the realm of possibility if he's playing with Bedard and he's playing well. Maybe, just maybe, it allows Taylor Hall another big payday, or at least he gets himself to a point where he's playing well enough either later this year or later next year to join a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. But I think the waters right now in Boston are a little bit too murky to declare they are closer to a Stanley Cup because I don't believe, and and this goes against literally everything that I ever say I'm going to do with the Boston Bruins, until I know where the Bruins are at, until I know if Bergeron or Krejci are are, are coming back, 
I'm not very high on the Boston Bruins going into next year. I know that's going to come as a shock to everybody that listens to this program, but I just don't know that I buy the Boston Bruins right now. But we'll turn our attention from Bedard, from Taylor Hall, and we're going to look into the Los Angeles Kings. They are moving and shaking. They sent defenseman Sean Dursey to the Coyotes over the weekend for a 2024 second round pick. Um, it's really simple. I like Dursey a lot. He's a really, really good young defenseman. He's a puck mover. He's an offensive guy. He short-circuited in game one of the year last year against the Golden Knights and was a big reason why Vegas pulled out that win in Los Angeles. But all that to say, this is an opportunity for Dursey to take on a bigger role with a team that needs somebody to take on a bigger role. And it's also an opportunity for the Gold, uh, for the Los Angeles Kings to open up a roster position on the back end for the likes of Brant Clark. It's a younger player that has bigger upside and a at a smaller cap hit. And when the Los Angeles Kings are tied right now to Pierre-Luc Dubois and they're trying to bring that player in, you needed to save a little bit of cap space. They did it. You needed to open up a roster spot for a young defenseman. They did it. And I think that that's a really smart move for the Los Angeles Kings. Yeah, I mean, they have $9 million in cap space or projected cap space uh, going into the season. So they're certainly going to be a team that can be a player in the free agent market or in the trade market, whatever they, they, they look to do. Uh, but they certainly can approve. I mean, remember, this was a team that also made the trade for Gavrikov last year at the deadline. So while you lose Dursey, you did acquire a guy last year who's a really good defenseman. So they they still have a pretty good blue line. Like, I, I, I like some of the guys they have. I like Mikey Anderson as well. Uh, Matt Roy is, is, a, is a, a guy who, I mean, he's a decent player. He, he's certainly capable of of playing on your blue line. So the loss of Jersey isn't as big. I mean, the second round pick, who cares, right? You, 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 that player may develop two or three years down the road and maybe he's in. But I like it from the perspective that you create cap space. And sure. if you want to go out and, and get a another really good player or two, you now have given yourself the flexibility to do that. So from Los Angeles to Colorado, um, and the Nashville Predators, who are currently uh, hosting the NHL awards. By the way, Jelly, Jelly Roll was just on, and uh, yep, yep, name Maddie is definitely uh, fitting. Yeah, Maddie Beniers, um, the 2023 NHL Calder Trophy winner, just as I said he would be. So that is uh, a win for me, and I think you and, and Darren, because we were all on the same page. I think so. Yes, which sucks. But anyway, uh, <laughs> moving on, Colorado and and Nashville. Uh, the, the the Colorado Avalanche acquire Ryan Johansson from the Nashville Predators for Alex Galchenyuk. Nashville will retain 50% of Johansson's salary. So that gives uh, a $4 million cap hit to the Colorado Avalanche. $4 million cap hit remains for the Nashville Predators for the next two seasons. Uh, the Predators do not intend to... <laughs> This is amazing. They do not intend to re-sign or take a stab at re-signing Alex Galchenyuk. So it's a cap dump, if there ever was one, from the Nashville Predators to get out from under the contract of Ryan Johansson without having to buy him out. But when you look at it in the context of what the Boston Bruins were just able to do in, in getting rid of all $6 million of Taylor Hall, um, it leaves a lot to be desired for the Nashville Predators, don't you think? Yeah, especially when you consider that Johansson's contract really, I mean, he only makes $4 million a year. And you're oh, $8 million. You're, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at cap no, friendly. No, it says, it's, it's $8 million. $8 million. Yeah. Okay. 
That changes things because I'm looking at cap friendly. It says that four million. So obviously the other four million is associated with with Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't I don't like it. Right. Like it, I don't it, either. Like and and this is Barry Trotz. Now his first move. Mm-hmm. His first big move anyway. And it's like, uh, especially when you bring up what what Boston was able to do with Taylor Hall, a much better player. I I I, I don't know. I mean, I I'd like to think you could have gotten more back than Alex Galchenyuk, and sure. no intention who on who on you, who, who you're not going to resign. Yeah, and and look, yeah. Gal, I mean, we talked about Taylor Hall being a guy who moves around a lot. How about Alex Galchenyuk? <laughs> yeah. Oh um, so. I don't like it from from I, I like it from Colorado's perspective mm-hmm. because they got themselves a, a a a good player, not a great player, and they got him at half price, like it's bargain basement. So you're only on the hook for for four million dollars a year for Ryan Johansson. Sign me up. So I am going to take a, a victory lap for the Calder Trophy. Um, I said it would be Maddie Beneers one, Stuart Skinner two, Owen Power three. Uh, you and and Mallard, Johnny Bluecheck, Mark, you guys were really, really on the uh, Owen Power was phenomenal, and he's going to be number two, and then uh, Stuart Skinner is going to finish three. Uh, I was right, and you were wrong. Well, it was Maddie Beneers one with eighteen hundred points, and then Stuart Skinner one thousand seventy four points, and Owen Power just under a thousand points. So kind of makes you two, wonder where, where Logan Thompson would have finished had he stayed healthy. Actually, Logan Thompson, eighth place in the voting with for half the a Calder season. Trophy. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Really, really 54 impressive. Fifty-four points, zero first-place votes. But again, as you mentioned, a really impressive showing there for Logan Thompson. Um, so re- really quick because I, I want to get to this, and it's astounding, and it's fascinating, and it's interesting. The Flyers were in agreement to send Tony D'Angelo to Carolina for a prospect with 50% salary retained. The NHL took issue with D'Angelo going back to Carolina within a year of his trade from the Hurricanes to the Flyers. So there's you know wording in the, in the CBA about a player returning within 12 months, especially on retained salary as possible cap circumvention. Both the Flyers and the Hurricanes are, are arguing that uh, the contract in question uh, was signed with Philly, not with Carolina, then traded to Philly and now traded back to Carolina. And the GM that, that traded for D'Angelo and signed him to the contract uh, no longer in Philly, Chuck Fletcher. So as it stands, the NHL uh, has, has said that the trade's not going to happen right now. They're going to talk to both teams at the draft this week. And if nothing changes... This can't actually happen until July 9th, which is one year from the day that Tony D'Angelo was traded from Philadelphia. Or, I'm sorry, from Carolina. It's hard to keep track. From Carolina to Philadelphia and sign the contract. Yeah, it's it's a really confusing situation. Mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. you need to have an appendix to be able to follow along with what's been going on. Right. It's, it's, it's just bizarre. Like, first of all, from Carolina's perspective, this is a guy you traded away. He fell out of favor in Philadelphia very quick, which is not surprising. No surprise. And now Carolina wants him back at a, at a discount. It's it's just really, really, really strange. By the way, Patrice Bergeron wins the Selkie Award. I will take pat myself on the back with that one. Well, uh, we all. Oh, we okay. All picked them. Well, we all yeah, did. We all, all right. Picked them. But yeah. 
Yeah, it, it's just a strange, strange situation. Like for a player that I could, I could live without. Okay, well that's fair. Like I, I don't have much else to say, but it is a strange, strange situation. Those are your one timers for today, Monday, June twenty sixth. Catching up with Chapman is next. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Yeah, just want to give a big shout out to one of our uh, sponsors, Stefano's uh, Greek Restaurant. They had a fantastic promotion over the weekend in which they were celebrating their 25th anniversary. Um, Look, two euros for five bucks. Can't beat it. We went, my wife and I, we got four euros, which is more than enough for the two of us. But, man, the place was packed. We saw Fenhouse, who, of course, fills in across the hall sometimes on the on the press box. Um, so I know Steve Cofield was out at a location, and Stefan Fox or, or yep. Fox and McKenzie were out at locations. Great, great promotion. Mm-hmm. It was phenomenal. I go there even when they don't do the promotion because I, yeah. I just love Greek food in general. Yep. But man, you can't beat it. Two euros for five bucks. They sold out. They literally sold out of the promotion. They had to start giving people 25% off on their bill in, instead. But man, I, I I hope they do another one sometime soon because I might pick up a couple more than four next time. Well, I, I agree. Best Greek in town. <laughs> 